Okay. I um, am going to go ahead and introduce our next two speakers because I want there to be sort of a seamless transition and I don't want to have to pop back up again. So I'm going to introduce them in reverse order. Robin Lundstrom is our keynote speaker, and then Gina Fransky is going to give some closing remarks. So I'm going to introduce Gina now so she can come up immediately after Robin speaks without me popping up again to interrupt the flow. And then uh, Gina, uh, and then after Gina, Bud and Summer are going to come back for one final song. So let me introduce Gina first and then Robin. So Gina Fransky is the Director of Women's Ministry at Cross Church in Springdale. She is absolutely perfect for that role because she loves women and she loves Jesus. She has been such a great support for our women's Bible study here in Salem Springs, and for that we are abundantly grateful. Like Summer, Gina's favorite Christmas carol is also O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and her favorite Christmas movie, movie, The Nativity. And if you find her watching it, or any other movie, she might be found also eating milk duds and popcorn together. She tells me it tastes like a popcorn ball, and that's been her favorite movie treat since she was a child. So you can guess that the rest of us are going to be trying that soon. So Gina is married to Ed. They have two adult daughters and soon a son-in-law to come. So Gina spends many plates, but she just never seems to drop one. She just does all things well. I think when you are, when you are with Gina, she is engaged and fully present with you, and I appreciate that so much about her. I know there's many things on her list, but she's always so intentional about being right there with you. You always leave a conversation with Gina Fransky feeling like you've grown closer to Jesus. Her faith is active, and it's living, and she just can't seem to not talk about her Savior, and I love that about her. You will be encouraged and inspired by her parting words today. Gina will come up right after Robin. And speaking of Robin, our keynote speaker, there's her picture. Robin is an extraordinary woman. To read her bio and everything that she has accomplished and all she does, how could one person be so young, or at least look so young, and have done so much? It's just extraordinary. She is in her second term as our state representative to the Arkansas legislature, and in serving our state, she has received many, many awards and distinguished recognitions. She has made herself known here and in Little Rock and every place in between as a woman of honor and integrity who stands for what is right and true. The Arkansas Family Council recently awarded Robin the Power of Courage Award for outstanding service, untiring dedication, and unyielding commitment to Christian values and legislation. We're so blessed to have her representing us. She has, if that all isn't enough, a doctorate in health sciences and has served as a college professor. She is a small business owner. She has served on the Elm Springs City Council. The list goes on and on because she is the energizer bunny among women. <laughs> Robin worships across church. She's a mother and a grandmother too, right? Uh, she's a wife to Tommy, Robin Lundstrom, is a lover of Jesus, and she is an extraordinary woman of God who is faithfully serving God in the task that he has called her to. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote, um, there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. Solomon was able to pack a lot of truth into a few short words. And why not? Because when God asked him what he wanted, he asked for wisdom. So he should be able to speak and say a lot with just few words. So those words from Ecclesiastes, a time to be silent and a time to speak, have been quoted and sung and shared for centuries. But they carry truth that resonates with every generation. We all do a lot of speaking 
But do we make or take enough time to also be silent? Robin does a lot of speaking in her life, but she also has learned the importance of being still, and we've talked about that. You and I are in for such a great blessing as we get to hear her story of faith and family and the call to sit and be still, all inspired by this little rocking chair down here. You know, Christmas can easily cycle, spiral downward to just a time for a lot of doing. Let Robin challenge you today to take some time to be before you jump up and start to do. Would you please join me in welcoming our state representative, Robin Lundstrom. here for right now. Thank you. Right now your state representative's heart's beating right out of her chest. <laughs> this 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 has been something I've looked forward to, something that's very important to me, something that's non-political and special. So and and something that I shared with Laura a few weeks ago that I've wanted to talk about for years. It's been rolling around in my head. And so y'all are the first. You're the guinea pigs to get to try this out on. So hang on tight. Um, as age does call, I'm going to wear my glasses. Um, pride over vanity or vanity over pride. I want to be able to see what I'm doing. Um, years ago, this story starts in 1937. I wasn't around then. Um, but I want to tell you about a little girl who was born in 1947 or 1937 in El Dorado, Arkansas, to Arthur and Marietta Honeycutt. And she was the first person in her family to be born in a hospital. And she was one of three children, the only one born in a hospital, older brothers Gary and Harold. They lived in an upstairs apartment on Washington Street in El Dorado, Arkansas. The Great Depression was still in quite active. They would have starved, and I'm reading from some of her diary. The Great Depression was still going on. Mother said we likely would have starved if it had not been for the World War II soldier's bonus Daddy had received. I was told that I would not say goodbye to Daddy when he left. So one day, he stood, went and stood out beside the door and waited. Sure enough, as the door closed, I said goodbye. About age three, we moved to West Hillsborough Street, where we rented a shotgun house. We later bought. I need to you move it up some? Yeah. Ah, thank you. That's better? Okay. It had only one sink in the whole house, none in the bathroom. We lived mostly in the middle of the room in the kitchen. Where we, where we kept warm. We took baths on Saturday, sometimes on Friday night if we were going to town on Saturday. There was a small shed that we added later. It had exposed studs. Later, we added walls. We had electricity and one light bulb that hung in the middle of the room. It had a cord that you could pull, so you had an on and off. <coughs> It had no cover to it. There was wallpaper that we hung with a cheesecloth by tacking it on the wall. It was bagging and peeling. And the outside was painted. You've heard the old saying, 
too proud to paint, too poor to, too poor to paint, and too proud to whitewash. <laughs> the house was not in great shape, but it was a home. It was supported by brick columns about 18 inches in diameter and spaced every 10 to 12 feet. We were poor, but we were warm, and we were together. In 1941, I was five years old. What happened in 1941, around Christmas? Yeah. Unfortunately, we were poor, and Daddy traveled with the pipeline because the oil business was taking off. Unfortunately, my dad was not home that Christmas. That's where this story really gets interesting. Her daddy wasn't home that Christmas, but my grandmother could make the stars sparkle. She would make a party out of anything, and they didn't have much that Christmas. But there was some old wood and old rickety chairs in a shed and some old rope. So she devised a plan with the two boys to come up with some kind of Christmas for the four-year-old little girl. That was this chair. amazing. 1941, and it stood the test of time since then. She played in that chair. I have pictures. I actually have pictures of me in that chair. My daughter and son in that chair. And now my grandson in that chair. It's amazing what a little bit of ingenuity and grit can do. And such a simple gift. They went on the next year, still didn't have anything, and made a doll bed. I have that doll bed, too. Don't think I'll ever get rid of those. But what a neat gift, and what a simple gift. And that was the only gift that year for Christmas. Still had Christmas. Well, fast forward. The family went on to buy the shotgun house and lived there all the way through high school. And they kept adding on to it. She went on to, my grandmother decided that if nothing else, she sat for the eighth grade teacher's exam. And in South Arkansas, that was a big deal. She was the first one to graduate eighth grade. So she was determined that her children would not only graduate college, but go to college or at least get a trade. So her oldest son went to law school. Her daughter went on to become a nurse. And her another son went on to become an electrician. My mother went on to become a nurse. She married a young man from Little Rock, Arkansas. He didn't have such a great warm family. And he was sent off to school to Columbia Military Academy at 11 years old. And, but it was the right thing to do at the time. Little Rock, Arkansas at that time was very difficult. Did, it, did, it did him a world of good. He went on to go to the University of Arkansas and then ended up in Vietnam. My mother and father married. I was born in Fort Benning, Georgia. So it's a khaki baby. And then went tours of Fort Rucker and Fort Seal and then back to El Dorado, Arkansas. He went to Vietnam. Now at that time in Vietnam, they, it was interesting when politics get involved in war. You all know that doesn't always mix. 
They were flying, the unit that he flew with was the 120th Aviation Company, and they were flying big silver banana-looking helicopters. They were huge. And that, his unit, they were green, but they were massive. They could pick up another helicopter its size out of the water, full of water. They were troop transports, but they weren't allowed to be armed. So imagine flying an unarmed helicopter. They could have a door gun in case they took ground fire. Really? They lost half the units of the 120th Aviation Company because they weren't allowed to be armed. They would go into a village and evacuate the village, and they would take out the women and children and come back, and the men would be lined up, beheaded on the ground as a message. If you work with the communist, this is what happens to you. Well, our side got real tired of losing. And one of the things that they introduced in that at that time was the Huey helicopter. And as you can imagine, all these guys sitting around saying, hmm, wonder if you tied together with the, you know, wonder if you tied on guns at the same time that you're flying. You know, you can see the guys sitting around doing this, can't you? We can, if we tied on rockets and we tied on guns, what could we do? You bet. We could win. So, the, the Huey was introduced, and they put on guns, and they put on rockets, and things changed. And they also were able to rescue a lot of guys. And they were also able to rescue a lot of um, Vietnamese. Well, this unit was called the Deans of Aviation. In fact, if you ever look at old World War, or if you ever look at old Vietnam footage, you'll look for the mortise board on the back of the helicopter unit. It's the old graduation mortise board. They're the first unit to have guns on their helicopters. And that was my dad's unit. And they're called the Deans of Aviation. And they got to name their units. One unit was called the Snoopies. <laughs> One's called the Pack Rats, and my dad got to name his unit, and he named them the Razorbacks. <laughs> hey, you can take a guy out of Arkansas, but you can't take the Arkansas out of the guy. And they painted the Razorback on the side of the door so that when he was shooting the, the guns, it looked like the snout of the Razorback was firing. <laughs> Men. Um, in fact, he was shot down, and um, the helicopter burned, and they also, but what wasn't burned, they would go back the next day and take any of the avionics or anything that was left. They took the door back, because it had the razor back on it. <laughs> Men. Um, they met 40 years later in the hangar. And if you've ever heard of a tontine, it's a promise. And usually they did it in World War II with a case of wine. And as somebody would die, they would drink a toast to that person and then pass along the case to the next person. Next, Well, they performed a tontine with that door in his unit. And as they left it to the next person, well, they left it to me. Wow. So I have that door. So that's kind of special. Wow. Well, at another instance, the North Vietnamese got really good at shooting down these Hueys. And what they would do, instead of just mass shooting, they would shoot right at the pilot. And with tracers in them, you could take out a Huey with not a lot of firepower. If you knew where you were shooting, you could take out that Huey. So, and our response was to put in these 200-pound um, ceramic plates into the pilot's seat. Well, the problem is, with 200 pounds in one seat, and 200 pounds, of, that's 400 pounds, well, that's fuel in a firefight. So my dad was a very red-headed, fiery young buck, 
And in Vietnam, it's hot and sweaty, so he's got his shirt off, and he's working on this firing line, and he's getting ready to go out the next day. And he's taking out his ceramic plate. And he's very frustrated that he's even having to have it in the first place. If I'm a good enough pilot, I can handle my, my equipment, I can handle my unit, and I need that fuel. What good is a dead pilot if you don't have fuel to get away in a firefight? And you can imagine the salty language that went blankety 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 blank. So his commanding officer comes back behind Lieutenant Hall. Yes, sir. You will return the ceramic plates back into this. You see this gray hair? See this? You'll do as you're told. Do you understand, Lieutenant Hall? Yes, sir. Will we have this discussion again? No, sir. So Lieutenant Hall puts back the ceramic plates. Well, two weeks later in a firefight, 18-year-old kid, brand new door gunner, straight off the boat, turns his armament. Instead of facing out, faces in, directly into the back of my father. And the hole is about that big around directly into the back of my dad. Now you can imagine the sound that must have made. But it didn't kill him. And it didn't take out the whole unit because it would have gone straight through daddy, straight through the front of the helicopter and taken off the avionics and every bit of that. It would have killed not only my dad but probably everybody in that unit because they were up in the air when it happened. Can you imagine the devastation. Because not only would have killed Dad, but if you're up in the air and you're at 3,000 feet and you go straight down in a helicopter, there's no recovering time. It's not like a plane when you turn off the engine. I've done that. A helicopter, you don't have that type of recovery time. Unfortunately, this little poor 18-year-old kid Lieutenant Hall, I'm so sorry I killed you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Daddy said it was the funniest thing you've ever seen. I was like, I don't think this is funny. Um, so, this all happens. Get that thing out of my helicopter. So they go on with the firefight. They're in a firefight. There's no stopping. You don't have time to discuss these things. They get back out. They land after it's all over with. They look at the chair. It's done. But the metal has been stopped by that plate. Age and wisdom trumps youth every single time. Well, his buddies, as a joke to my dad, take that chair out and send it home to my dad's address. I have the chair. They put rocking chair slats on it. I've been trying to figure out how to bring it today. <laughs> Laura and I were talking about that. I thought, you know, I wonder if I could get the thing and I get my hand. It's funny the things your mind plays with. I didn't know this story. I was never told the story. My dad was dying of cancer due to his exposure in Vietnam with Agent Orange. And Major McConaughey, Major Mac that came up to him in Vietnam, was there and had come to say goodbye to my dad. And he and I were standing looking at this chair at my dad's hangar. And he said, well, Robin, do you know the story of this chair? And I said, it's just a chair from a firefight that my dad's buddy sent it home to him. 
That's all I know about it. And then my dad's walking by, and he said, and that's all she needs to know, too. <laughs> and he said, well, it's about time you learned about age and wisdom and God's grace and mercy and why you have somebody older and wiser in command. And he proceeds to tell me why I have a dad and why age and wisdom trumps youth and cockiness. And I went, are you, I, I had no idea. And then he wrote the story down for me and sent it back to me. Precious, absolutely precious. But what a chair to sit in. And the lives that were saved. There were two pilots that were the best in the unit. The man that trained my dad and my dad. Not bragging if you can back it up. But a lot of good being good is if you can't back it up and you don't follow the orders that are given to you. My dad learned a very good lesson that day. And he learned it well. Think about the chairs that you sit in today. The chair of motherhood, that you hold your babies and you rock them in. The bank president, the teacher, the attorney, the grandma, that you cuddle your babies in and your grandbabies. Now I want you to think about when you have, I have a devotional in the morning and I sit in my, I almost brought it with me, my purple robe that is disgusting and looks terrible, but my husband threatens to burn it. But I absolutely love it in the morning when it's cold. And I sit on the couch and I sit across from my um, red leather, this beautiful red leather chair. And it just looks royal to me. And I think of Jesus sitting in that chair. Of course, he wouldn't sit there very long. He'd probably go to the other end of the couch where it's more comfortable. But think of the throne of Christ that he gave up to come down. He gave up the most incredible chair and humbly came down to rescue us. And someday we'll get to go home to him. But in between times, we can not only go to that chair, we can kneel in front of it when we're scared and when we're mad, and when we're afraid, and when we're hurting. There are people in here that have lost their husbands, and they've lost children, and they hurt. We can go and kneel in front of that throne and lay all those burdens down, because he's heard it all before. What a sweet chair to kneel in front of. So I want you to think about those chairs that you've kneeled in front of, and that you can still kneel, or you can curl up in. That, that lazy boy chair that we've all curled up in our mother's arms or our father's arms. Our dear Father in Heaven wants us to curl up in His arms too. So this holiday season, take a moment and think back over those special times in your life and take that moment and curl up in your Father's arms and thank you for coming down and giving you the most ultimate gift of a chair to sit in and a throne to go home to. That's what I have to tell you today. I'd like for you to think, if you ever need anything from me as your state representative, that you will call on me. My phone number is on the website. And take a moment to read that Ecclesiastes verse. When you do have your Bible out, I want to encourage you to write down your prayers. Write down the names of people that you're praying for and the date that you pray for them. I started doing that about 20 years ago in my Bible. And as I look back over the people that I've prayed for, it's such a neat thing to go back and see. Um, 
in the Ecclesiastes section. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 through 8. But on the other side, number 5, chapter 5, I have right next to it. It says, Me, 2019 session, session give me wisdom. And it says, Guard your step when you go in to the house of, of God. Better to draw near in obedience than to offer sacrifice as fools do, for they are ignorant and wrong. Do not be hasty to speak. Do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. For dreams result from much work and a fool's voice from many words. My prayer this last session was the Lord grant me wisdom and cover me with your grace and with mercy. And I realized my prayer was a little bit wrong. I needed to not only just ask for a little wisdom, I needed to ask for buckets and barrels of wisdom and to cover me with both hands. And that's what I ask for you for this next year, to cover you with grace and mercy and to give you barrels of wisdom. And I wish you a very Merry Christmas. And may you sit in God's comfy chair and cuddle up and realize how blessed and wonderful. And when you do hurt, I want you to know that God loves you dearly. Merry Christmas. Special. Thank you, Robin. What a gift you gave us. I think, did y'all enjoy being her guinea pigs today? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's something about a good story, amen? We love stories. I think that's how God created us. He created us to love stories. And I'm thankful today that the greatest story of all time is still alive and thriving and beating in our hearts today in 2019. It has not died. It is more alive than ever. The story of Christmas, of Jesus' birth, is often read, if, you, if you're not familiar with this, from the second chapter of the book of Luke. When families gather, a lot of families gather around this time of year to read the Christmas story, that's often, time, the re often the reference they'll go to in Scripture. But the mo amazing thing is, and I just want to, I love what Summer said earlier today, is before this story was penned, before it even happened, before Jesus even came, God had a plan. Don't you love that? Before God said, let there be light, he already had a plan. In the book of Genesis, it says that uh, God said, let us create man in our own image. Jesus was very present there in the very beginning and even before the foundation of the world. And I don't know about you, but that gives my heart great comfort today. The Bible gives is an amazing gift to us. But I love that the Bible just doesn't call God, God, our Father, and Jesus, Jesus the Son. There are many, many, many names in all of Scripture. It would exhaust us to even know all the names given of God, our Father, and, and Jesus the Son that the Bible uh, gives to them in all of Scripture. And some that we're familiar with at this time of year, 
that you have heard from the book of Isaiah about Jesus is he's wonderful. Amen? He's counselor. He's mighty God. He's everlasting father and the prince of peace. What beautiful names. This morning in closing, I want to speak to us. I want to leave us with three other names. One you're probably not so familiar with, a name given to Jesus, and then others that you probably are. But the first name I want to just set in our hearts this morning in closing that is given to Jesus is he is called the second Adam. Isn't that interesting? The second Adam, it's not one that we reference or use a lot. But it's a stunning name to me because we have to appreciate the name second Adam. We've got to understand the first Adam, right? And we all know the first Adam was first man created in the Garden of Eden. And it's incredible to me that one day, ladies, we will be back to Eden. Heaven will be that for us. It will be this place of beauty and perfection. We will have this beautiful fellowship with one another. There will be no jealousy and envy and strife and anger amongst us. Yes. We will have perfect fellowship with the Father. We will have that again one day. And God gave it to Adam and Eve. He handed it over to them. But we know the story. In an act of outrageous rebellion and selfishness, both Adam and Eve took from the tree that God said, don't take from it, everything broke. In that moment of time, sin and brokenness, and all of the things that we all feel in this world, cancer, addiction, pain, divorce, wayward children, all of that brokenness entered the world. The perfection that God had created shattered and judgment came upon the world and came upon you and me. That's the only way a holy God can operate. He demands holiness from us. So we needed a redo. Amen? We needed a substitute. And, and the Word of God tells us that any substitute would not do we, want, we needed one who would not fail the test this time. The substitute had to be perfect in righteousness and mighty in power so that he would not fail. God's word tells us no one on earth ever born could meet these requirements. Romans tells us that we all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Every human ever born falls short of meeting that expectation of the holy God. So God sent the one person he knew who was qualified to be that second Adam and he sent his son, Jesus. And that second name I want to speak to this morning is Emmanuel, God with us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. I love the name Emmanuel. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Yeah. You know, when we hear the story of the gospel, the birth, the, the death, the uh, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Sometimes we focus so much on the death, burial, and resurrection, we forget the great importance of the life of Jesus. It's so important to the gospel message. So when God became flesh, God put skin on and came as a baby to a manger for us. 
his life and the way he lived is so important because he had to fulfill those requirements. Amen? So everything Jesus did in his 33 years on this earth, from the moment he was born, everything he did, he did as our substitute. Yes. Every decision he made, every situation he was in, every relationship he was in, every temptation he faced, every trial, every moment of suffering, he did it without any sin. And he did in our place what only he could do, what we can never do. He went to the cross for us. And he satisfied that wrath, that judgment of a holy God on our behalf. It's stunning to me and I will never get over it. To say it very clearly, Jesus lived a life that we could never live. And he died a death we deserve to die. He came to set us free from ourselves. Amen? Yes. Who needs rescuing from yourself today? I do. Every day. I need to be rescued from me. Here's what we have in this beautiful gospel, the story of Jesus coming, living a perfect life, taking our place of death, being buried for three days and raising again, Here's what we get when we come to believe that. We get complete forgiveness of all of our sin, past, present, and future. Yes. The Bible says he remembers our sin no more. Is that unbelievable? Yes. Lord, help us believe that. Help me believe that today. The Word of God says he does not hold our sin against us. Anyone need that reminder this morning? You carrying something today that just something you've done in the past, maybe even recently, and you just keep beating yourself over it? Oh, man, I struggle with that sometimes. The Word of God says, no, I don't do that anymore. Jesus meant that. My wrath was poured on my son. I didn't save a little on the side for you. You feel that way sometimes? I do. Like it's got a little vial over here just for me. He doesn't. The Word of God says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When we believe this by faith, this great exchange happens. It's called the greatest exchange of all time. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amazing. So when we trust in that, we believe in that, as children of God, God sees us then as this. This is the greatest news. See, for news to be good, there's got to be something bad for it to enter into, okay? you got to have bad news before you can have the good news. Or it's just news. <laughs> That's good. And what makes the good news so good is that when we believe by faith who Jesus was and what he did for us, and we receive it, he sees us different. Amen? Yes. We get new clothes. Yes. He sees us holy and beloved. He sees us clean and righteous. 
He sees us near and not far. Amen. The blood of Jesus draws us near to Him. We're no longer condemned. Hallelujah. And the last name I want to leave with you this morning is the name indescribable gift. That's what Jesus is. He was given to us as a gift. Romans says the punishment for our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. I don't know about you, but when I get a gift, I'm excited, right? Yes. Gifts are fun. That's why I love Christmas. <laughs> Jesus handed us the greatest gift, and he just said, all you have to do is take it. Yes. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to clean up yourself to come and get this. I don't need you to fix yourself. Let me take care of that. I just want to give you my son. He fulfilled all the requirements that I know you will never be able to fulfill. Ladies, Jesus wants us not only full of his son, but he wants us radiating the light of his son out to this world. I don't know about you, sometimes I get down at Christmas. I don't know why. I Maybe it's just being in ministry and I feel and carry a lot of burden and pain with people in the church. I don't know what it is. Sometimes it's just heaviness, right? And I have to push and fight for my heart to prepare room for the Savior at this season with all the stuff. Just create this space in me and my soul to let the light shine. Takes a little work, a little time, a little chair sitting, a little cuddling up in that lazy boy. When I have a list of a hundred things to do, to let him love me, let my heart prepare him room. I want to ask you all today to think in your life to that time in that place when you said yes to this gift, when you reached out and you took this gift, you said yes to Jesus. A lot of times when I put this out to ladies to think of the time, they struggle thinking of the time, and maybe perhaps you don't have a time. Maybe you've played the part and been in church and been to Laura's Bible study, you're doing all the right things, but you really never have taken the gift of Jesus Christ into your life. I just want to share with you this morning, it's very simple. The Word of God just tells us to confess our sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The most important part of taking the gift is knowing you need the gift. Heaven, just the cherry on top. But what he gives us now here on this earth, unbelievable. I want it. I want it for you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of, of just salvation. A prayer of saying yes. A prayer of reaching out and taking this gift of Jesus, this most indescribable gift this morning. 
And if you're one sitting here this morning and you are thinking, I can't think of my time. I'm really not even sure. Let this be your time. Let this be your day. What a beautiful place. What a special moment for this to be your day of salvation. Maybe some of you are in the room this morning and you have so much stress and anxiety in your life and heart right now. You just need a moment to create some space for Jesus. Let every heart prepare him room. I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I want you to pray with me this morning and then Bud and Summer are going to close us in song. Father, we, we love you. We thank you for the most indescribable gift, your son, Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, God with skin on, came to dwell among us and lived a life we could never live. Who died the death we deserve to die, was buried, came to life to prove he was God. The story is unforgettable and we're grateful today and God, we will never get over it. Your great plan for us. So Father, I lead these women this morning in a prayer of salvation for the one or two or three or more in this room that just aren't sure. So Father, we, we confess to you our sin. Ladies, pray with me if you will. Confess to you our sin, our brokenness. We are apart from you, and God, we ask you for forgiveness. Jesus, come live in my heart. Save me, redeem me, restore me, renew me. I need you, Jesus. I believe you are God's Son. receive you today. What a beautiful gift. I surrender my life to you fully. I surrender today my anger. I surrender my pain. I surrender stress and anxiety and worry and fear. I surrender it to you. I'm just going to leave it right here with you this morning, Jesus. And I trust you with it. I trust you fully. You've got me. You've got my family. You've got my future, and I trust you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your precious and holy name. You could have come like a forest.
Robin and Tracy and Gina, thank you seems not nearly enough for how they have blessed us today, and we're so grateful. I hope during this Christmas season you will find your chair, you will find a place to sit and be still in the midst of the frenzy, that you will sit and, and contemplate Jesus, the second Adam, the Emmanuel, the indescribable gift, and let who he is just be that bomb for your heart, your heart that, that may be hurting or may just be frenzied and busy. Well, as we wrap up, in case you were wondering what my favorite Christmas movie is, I thought I would just share that. Anybody else like It's a Wonderful Life? You know, in, in, in this 1947 classic, George Bailey has hit a very rough spot in his life. And you know, haven't we all hit a rough spot? But his was so drastic that in this movie, he's even contemplating ending it all. And an angel named Clarence is summoned to help him. Now, while the theology might not be might be kind of out of sync here, I think that the heartwarming message of the movie makes up for the, the myth in the theology because it makes all of us realize that every single life matters yes. and that every single life ripples out and affects the lives of others. Robin's story actually in real life proved that for us with that Vietnam story and even this little rocking chair and, and the legacy to her family. Your life matters, and you are important. 
Well, in the story, when Clarence the guardian angel chosen for George is sent, is sent for, uh, he asks, well, you sent for me, sir, he says to the, the chief angel that calls him. And he says, yes, Clarence, there's a man down on earth that needs our help. And Clarence says, splendid, is he sick? And the, the senior angel says, no, it's worse. He's discouraged. He's discouraged. And you know, to be discouraged is sometimes even worse than being sick. So as you leave here today, our prayer is that, is that you've been encouraged, that you leave lifted up, not just physically or socially or emotionally and not just temporarily, but also spiritually and eternally. We pray that the message of Christmas, that Jesus came, the second Adam, the indescribable gift, we pray that you, if you prayed that prayer with Gina, for the first time or the second time or just to bolster the faith that is there and you just needed that reminder to believe what you already believe, that you leave here knowing and believing and celebrating that he loves you and he forgives you. And we pray that truth resonates in your heart. It fills you with wonder and it prompts you, not just today, but throughout this Christmas season and into 2020, to look up and to look to him and find the real wonderful life the eternal life that can truly only be found in him. Would you just pray with me as we leave? Jesus, thank you for the indescribable gift that today has been to our hearts. Thank you for the guests that have come and gathered. Thank you for Robin's incredible message of faith and family, for for Gina's succinct and, and just beautiful way of sharing the truth of the gospel for the worship that that Summer and Bud have led us in. And Jesus, thank you most of all for yourself. Christianity stands exclusive among all world religions where we're not earning our way to you, but you came to us. Let the truth of Emmanuel, God with us, resonate in our hearts. Let it be the joy on our tongues as we go about all the inging and checking up all the lists. Let there be joy in our hearts as we celebrate this Christmas and renew our, our, our belief in who you are and celebrating what you mean to us. Jesus, I just want to end by saying your words back to you, Paul's words to the Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here. Oh, and Nellie will be right over here with books if you need to get those as well. Some of you would ask me about that.
to get a picture of Robin in the chair. Slope us. Can we move over just a little bit with more fireplace in the background? Okay, that's fair. Well, I like to set it. Okay, other phone. Okay, camera. Hey, if you can make sure the fireplace is more directed. We're good here. It's all okay. about the chair. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> well, you can get chair, too. <laughs> good. Thank you. Robin, wait a minute. Robin, do this with your hair just uh -oh. a little bit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> You're well, good. You Thank you for doing that. <laughs> right, here we go. One, two, three, one, seven. Thank you. How will we get those pictures? I've got to ask him how we'll get our pictures. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. 11 associates. 
Okay. So was that about oh, what you had last year? Yeah, I was thinking it was. Yeah. Good. So it's 30. That's pretty good. I can look and see. I need to get my associate membership. Well, hey, you did a great job. That was so good. Yes, it was. Very, very good. I thought the whole thing was good. My mom would have been thrilled. And, uh, I was thinking Mom had the, the there, or? They're still there. I was over there yesterday. 